there's a better way to answer on-farm questions with AgVisor Pro. Farmers are able to get answers now, not later, from an independent network of some of the best professionals in agriculture. Spend less time searching for those answers. Ask your question on the AgVisor Pro app and move faster and more confidently in your decision-making. Available on iOS and Android, head to the link in the show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll meet Hallie M.N. Ekstrom. Hallie is a sixth generation cattle farmer from Southern Minnesota. She is the first female of those six generations to take over the family business. Hallie loves being a part of agriculture and helping younger females find their calling. She has had many mentors in school and 4-H growing up, and she wants to be able to do the same for the youth in her community, to help them find their voice and follow their passions, even if that passion is in a male-dominant industry like agriculture. She thinks it's important now more than ever for women to show up in those industries and to be proud of who they are. I cannot wait for you to meet Hallie and hear her inspirational story. And I love the theme of mentorship in this week's episode and how it ties perfectly into my latest release on the women in egg community over on Eggvisor Pro. I have put together a five-part series on the importance of community for women in agriculture. So to check out my article and to connect with other great women in the egg industry, you can head to the link in today's show notes and download the AgVisor Pro app. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Hallie. Hallie, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I am so excited to dive into your story and to get to know you better. For the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background. Tell us who you are, where the heck you're from, and how did you get your start in agriculture? Absolutely. My name is Hallie Ammon Ekstrom. My husband and I live in southern Minnesota, where We actually farm with my dad. We run our cow-calf operation, and I'm a sixth-generation cattle farmer. 
So it's it's super exciting, and especially to be a, a woman in ag, I'm I'm pumped to be able to follow the footsteps of my family and, and keep that going. I'm actually the first female of those six generations. So while it's exciting, it's, it's also kind of nerve-wracking. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of a, a weight on your shoulders, kind of having everyone watch and see, you know, what we're going to do differently or the same as the, the years kind of go with the family farm. Absolutely. Six generations is a lot of generations. Can you share with us any of your generational knowledge that you have from those previous six? Absolutely. So our farm started in 1903 and we were actually a feedlot and we started with Herefords. And then when the 80s hit, obviously that was really rocky times for my grandpa and my dad was just really getting going in, in young years, high school, young teen. And as he went through high school, they kind of did a switch and that was when they thought, why don't we try the other end and do cow-calf and be part of the genetics in the early stages of raising that calf versus the ending where it was always feedlot. And so it's just, it's been cow-calf ever since. And when I was nine years old, is actually when I can really remember being at the farm a lot every day, especially in the summer, and just wanting to help, like do chores and and cut hay bales in the summertime. It was just so fun for me. And so then my dad and mom suggested that maybe I try out 4-H. I was not athletically gifted like my brother was. Um, So I was like, sure, I'll give that a whirl. And so at nine years old, I walked my first cow and I thought, hey, this isn't so bad walking this 1,300-pound animal. Maybe I could do this. And that's kind of where I just found my niche and found kind of a a passion, if you would. I loved it. It was a family event for those that have been in 4-H and FFA, but at the same time, it's only you in the ring. And it's just so special to be able to bond with these animals and just create, yeah, just a, a crazy fun experience. I had a lot of friends that were in 4-H too that were supportive. So it was fun to be able to do that with them and go to different shows throughout the upper Midwest and just do my thing with our cattle. And so I did that as as my sport, if you would, through high school. And then just when I had the opportunity after my grandpa passed away in I think 2015 it was already. And when he passed, as sad as it was, it kind of opened up that spot for my dad to say, okay, do you want to buy in and and be a part of this? And so that's kind of where it, it became more of a family business for me to get my feet wet and see if I want to be a cattle farmer. Yeah, absolutely. I I can also appreciate the non-athletically gifted children. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I would fall into that category. I definitely tried a lot of different things, but did not find my my niche, unfortunately, for that. So, <laughs> Same. It was a struggle. Like, he just excelled, you know, baseball, basketball, whatever you gave him, he did great. It's like, I can barely get my two feet to run in the same direction. So it's like, finally, something I'm kind of good at, like 4-H, let's go. <laughs> See, and I've always made this joke of being a person who came into agriculture later in life, that there needs to be an adult 4-H program for the kids, like or oh for gosh, the people yeah. who didn't get to grow up and do this. Like, I would like to mm-hmm. go into 4-H. So not as a volunteer, like not as a teacher or anything like that. I need them to teach me all of the things that you learned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
And like in my high school, I graduated in 2012 and they didn't have FFA until I think it was 2014. So we really only had 4-H to go off of. So those that had got to be an FFA, I mean, how awesome is that too? But it's like, yeah, there should be something more for adults here. Like, let's get them active. Right? <laughs> like I would go to these weekly meetings. If there was wine and cows and all of the things, like I would be there in a heartbeat. Yep. <laughs> yep. Count me in, girl. <laughs> So it's interesting. I didn't ask you this before we started, but when you had told me that you were the first female to be in this operation, sometimes I think it's easy to assume that, oh, if you are the female from your generation, that you didn't have brothers or that you didn't have other siblings that were Mm -hmm. interested in being part of the operation. So is your brother active in the farm currently or is he gone on a different role? Yeah. So I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger brother and a younger sister and we all live within the same community, county as my parents still and and where we grew up. But I am the only one, my husband and I are the only ones that are active with my dad on the farm, day-to-day chores, calving, all all the good stuff. And yeah, you're right. It's not that my brother wasn't given the opportunity. He just didn't really have an interest. And he actually works at a local hog farm. My dad had raised pigs when we were growing up and managed a site. And we all worked for him, of course. And after that, when he kind of said goodbye to that and, and went a different direction in his own career, my brothers decided to stick with the hogs. And that's great, too. It was still a part of egg, just a different course, if you would. And he really loves that. He enjoys it. And my parents were always so good about not pushing things on us that we didn't like to do. And I think that's so great for parents to do and more people should do it because it's so often I feel like people want to force it on their kids if they were a doctor or dentist. And it's like, if it's not there, if the passion isn't there, then they won't really enjoy it as much. You know, you're not going to put the same kind of effort into it. Mm-hmm. So he, he helps when we need it. But honestly, it's it's really just my dad, husband, and I that that are financially invested, if you would. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, you know, you talk about the passion behind it. And I think as farmers and ranchers and people in agriculture, if you don't have the passion for it, there's just no way that your life and career is going to be sustainable. Because to be honest, like the good days are really good and we get to do what we love and be outside and be with animals and like drive big Mm -hmm. tractors and all of the (laughs) things. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have the passion for it and after you've worked 18 hours in a day, it, it's not sustainable. Right. And and what's kind of different with ours, which is getting to be more common, is that my husband, dad, and I actually all work full-time jobs as well, with even the cattle being full-time. We all work full-time jobs off the farm too. And it is. It's some days at work, just like anyone, you have really long, frustrating days. And then it's like you have to come home and do chores. And, and it's not always you know, roses and sunshine at the farm either, especially for people that work with family or work with someone that you live with and then to come home with them. Sometimes it's definitely overwhelming. And there's just like a, okay, I need a space. I need like a break or time away. And that's why I've just always encouraged like my husband and I to each have a hobby away from work and away from the farm. Something that we can do together 
but then also something that we can do separate just to kind of keep that like mental capacity clear and so that we can still want to have a passion to raise cattle and not have it, you know, just drain us completely. Right. Well, this is going to go completely off topic of what I thought we were going to talk about, but do you want to share with us what your hobby is? Yeah. So I love to garden. It's just, I've really gotten into it and just being outdoors. And if you saw me in person, you'd also notice I'm, I'm a girly girl. I love just a good, go get my nails done, go get my toes done and just have a, a me day. And then whether I come home and read a book outside or come home to my garden, that's, I, I just love doing that. I don't know. There's something relaxing about it for me. And it just, yeah, yeah. I love that type of stuff. I think we could be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I, I feel like people always think, oh, you're, you know, when they first see you, they, people always try and have a perception, right? Like they try to guess what your occupation is. So when I say, have a farmer, you know, their eyes kind of get wide and they're like, no way. This platinum blonde with her red nails done and probably some kind of lip gloss on. It's like, yep, that's what I do. Like, come check me out on the weekends when I'm covered in, you know, cow poop and my hair is up in a Carhartt hat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it doesn't have to be men in dirty overalls. It can, it can certainly be women. But yeah, we've just really gotten to a point where it's like, okay, let's, Let's have some fun hobbies and things that we can do to yeah, have our me time. And then we can always, always come back to the farm. But that's, that's what I love to do. Yeah. And I just think it's important to have something that just helps you decompress, right? Like just get away off of the farm is always, you know, something that I think is super important. And, you know, obviously there's times and seasons where that doesn't happen as often as we might like. But just knowing what you need during those seasons to keep you on track and to keep you focused and, you know, really bring you back to your why and what your passion was in the first place of why the heck you decided to do this with your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, when I was in 4-H is really where I found, I knew I had a love for livestock. And at that young age, you really don't think like, wow, I can make a career of this. But I just, when I was in 4-H and growing up, I just had so many great role models, if you would, and so many great mentors and people that just gave me like that boost of confidence I didn't even know I needed at that point in my life. And not to say that, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, that you're young and I even don't know anything. It's just, you haven't really experienced a lot. A lot of people haven't at least to know what you really want to do. And I think that's why I kind of wanted to stay involved with agriculture and come back to my community because so many people gave back, gave back to me that I wanted to do the same. And it's, I kind of wanted to help high school kids find their passions, find what they're talented at earlier on, so that when you turn 18, you're not kind of thrown to the, to the wolves, to the world, and you don't have a clue what you want to do. I feel like that was me. So many people were harping on me what I wanted to go do, and it's like, well, crap, I don't really know. I've never really thought about it. And up until now, no one's really asked, I guess. But I don't know. I just, just seems so many people always, you know, it's not a bad thing to change careers. I'm a prime example. I actually was so flustered and caught off guard that when I graduated, I went to cosmetology school, did that for a year, and then came back in my hometown and worked 
in a beautiful salon. And then I happened to be, get a customer on like a Saturday morning and he was talking about his family farm and how he does it with his dad and brothers. And I was like, I don't know, like a light bulb moment went off. Let me tell you. And I went home and I was like, I think Monday morning I'm going to quit my job and go back to school for egg. And I literally thought my mom was going to like faint. Like what? Like it was just so unheard of. It wasn't really a thing people did. Like it kind of seemed and not to put that on my grandparents or parents' generations, but their generations, you kind of found a career and you stuck with it, even if you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't job hopping as much as I think my generation and younger generations are. Like my generation and younger generations, they're not afraid to up and change course. Yeah. If this isn't working or if I don't like it, I'm going to change. I'm like, you go girl. Like we need more people that are willing to say that and go do what you want, want to do. Absolutely. So that's kind of how I came back and went to, at the same time, it, it was ironic, but at the same time is when I went back to school for egg and got my bachelor's in that and found my full-time job is the same time that my dad asked if I wanted to buy into the farm. So I was like, wow, it's weird how things kind of work out. They seem to in some way, shape, or form. And like you said, there are the generations, the older generations are the folks who stayed in their career for 30 plus years. And this is the job that they worked at. And this was the job that they were going to stay to until they retired. And people who are willing to take the chance and take the risk on trying something different to fulfill, whether that's, you know, financially or you know, just for life in general, you know, living a better life, doing something that you're passionate about is something that I think is super commendable. And I think that there are a lot of people who are just really scared. They have the idea that this is, you know, like you said, this is the job that we're supposed to have because this is what we went to school for or whatever it is, but they have a dream and a passion to do something else. And I'm curious to know with your with your family and growing up, was it ever, you know, did you ever think this was going to be what you were going to be doing? Did you think that you were going to be the next generation to continue your family farm? No. So as you pull up our down our driveway and pull up to our cattle farm, there has always been, I mean, as far back as I can remember, a big family farm century sign with all the generation's names on it. And there's a spot below my dad's. And I always thought, oh, yep, like there, there's the five men. Like there goes my brother's name. Like, you know, it'll go down there. It'll fit great. And never once did I think like, oh, that's going to say Hallie under it or that I was going to own half the herd. You know, it just, it, like I said, it's, it's so weird how things work out. It's, it's like no matter how hard you try to control it or how hard you vision it somewhere, your path gets a curve put in it. And you roll up the punches and and unexpected things, good and sad, happen. And it's like, yeah, I really do think that things work out. And I mean, it sounds cliche, but what you want and what you want to work for, how hard you want to work for it is what you'll receive and, you know, get in return. And so for me, I just thought, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I honestly thought I'd have a full-time job, but wouldn't ever come back to the farm I I never pictured living in a big city. I always kind of thought I'd stick with the small community, but I'm not really sure if I ever thought that I'd 100% be back to the farm, but grateful that I am. I mean, it's, it's just crazy where it's taken me and the different experiences and people I've met because of it. 
Yeah, for sure. So tell us more about the current operation and what it looks like. What kind Mm -hmm. of cattle are you raising all of the good stuff? Yeah. So we are a commercial cow-calf herd. Right now we're calving. We calf February to April is kind of our prime time. Minnesota, of course, just gets some brutal winters. So this is kind of our window that we calve and then we give them time before we go to pasture for the entire summer and fall. And then we will wean our calves and sell them to local feedlots and then start the process back over come next February. Uh, We mostly raise commercial Angus and Semitol cattle, but my father, he calls it his COVID purchase. Uh, Everyone had a weak, weak moment purchase and he purchased some Charlay cows. So we have a few sprinkled in, but for the most part, we're black Angus and black Semitol. But yeah, it, it has worked really well for us in our time and there's nothing better. Honestly, calving season is probably my favorite. Just seeing all the cute little fuzzy calves. It, uh, it, it it's kind of like your your breath of fresh air. The we were talking about just needing sunshine and spring, and, and it kind of gives me that life. It can be incredibly hard and feel like it's going on forever, but there's just nothing better than seeing baby calves born into the world and jumping and kicking and thriving. <laughs> right? Yeah, I. I'm honestly always a little bit jealous of all of the cow-calf operations because they get to see all of these cute baby calves. But then I think about, you know, the 3 a.m. checks and all of that kind of thing. I'm just like, I don't know if I would want to get up at 3 a.m. and go out in a snowstorm if there is one to see and all of the things that could go wrong and all the things. But when you see the baby cow, it's like, yes, okay, this is <laughs> this is good. This is why I do what I do. <laughs> I know. Sometimes we think we're crazy because, like I said, Minnesota Minnesota can just be so brutal. Mother Nature is not forgiving sometimes, and it feels like like we still have snow on the ground, and it's almost April 1, but it, it is. It, there's just something about being able to... The cow-calf is so fun because we get to control the genetics, and we get to control that that baby outcome, and then we get to like raise them from beginning to kind of that middle point through pasture and see them grow and and kind of see how our genetics worked out or maybe didn't work out how we thought it would. So it is really fun to be kind of that magician who gets to control some of that. And I won't, I won't lie. I won't say that it's all, that it's all like sunshine and rainbows. There are some really, really hard days and, you know, it's just part of owning livestock. You're going to have some losses and times you can't control it with mother nature, but it, there are, there are good, more good times, obviously, that way outweigh the bad. And that's kind of what you, you got to keep the keep your eyes on and, and just keep focused. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to expanding the farm or growing the farm, thinking about the next generations of the farm, what are some, are the ideas that this generation, the sixth generation, I guess, how is it with working with, older generations and bringing the new ideas to the farm? Are they something that are receptive or is there ever the hesitation of thinking, what the heck are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. My dad is pretty, pretty flexible. There are definitely times where he's like, you know, if it's, it's not broke, we don't need to fix it. But if we're able to like express our concerns and kind of show him the why behind it and not that we just want to 
upgrade something to upgrade or whatever. He, he's really good about just seeing the whole picture and, and long-term, you know, if this is going to help help us expand and grow like we want to, is this going to be uh, last longer, whether it's equipment or, you know, fencing. Um, we're, we're all pretty good and we're pretty, I'm probably, <laughs> it could ter- certainly be a female trait, but I'm probably the worst when it comes to like wanting to spend money and, and upgrade things. But it, I don't know. He's, he's pretty darn receptive to our ideas, which is surprising. And he's gotten really good with technology. We have cabbing cameras in our barns that we use that are hooked to our phones. And we got him an iPad so he can sit on the couch and watch the cameras at night to see if anyone's ever cabbing. So, I mean, some of our ideas that maybe he was hesitant about at first, if you would, it, it kind of, you got to give him a little time. And then he comes around and is like, oh, gosh, that was a, that was a good idea. It's like, uh-huh, not going to say I told you so, but... Yeah, we all get along really good, and I think yeah, you have to when you're working every day. But he's a he's a lot better than I thought it would be. I think kind of seeing it with my grandma, and I'm sure my grandpa would too. I think it would be really hard if my grandpa was involved and it was the four of us. Just again because of that age gap, and I think honestly it comes back to just the technology. And you know, my husband and I we're kind of people that are creative and can just see long-term, not just tomorrow or today. And I think that's just what's really helping us with, okay, how can we keep the farm and the family for more generations? How can we grow it, but yet still be profitable or bring different profits? Because if you were to look out my living room window or take a drive in our community, you'd you'd notice there isn't a lot of cattle pasture around for grazing. Um, it's a lot of corn and soybeans. And that's our biggest obstacle is okay, we're cow-calf and we want to grow, but how do we grow when we don't have pasture for them to go to all summer? So finding ways through that has probably been one of our biggest challenges. And it definitely gives us time to brainstorm and get creative and just think of other ways to bring income to the farm so that we can keep raising cattle and keep the farm in the family. Yeah, absolutely. I had the idea that your dad was probably pretty open to things considering he had COVID cattle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone had a project and for him, it was a different breed of cattle. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, exactly. (laughs) Are you a woman who works in or has an interest in agriculture? Do you find yourself longing for a supportive community that understands the unique challenges you face in the industry? Well, look no further than the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community. AgVisor Pro is here to welcome you with open arms, whether you're a farmer, rancher, researcher, or advocate for agriculture. Their goal is to create a vibrant community where women can come together, ask questions, share experience, and exchange knowledge and resources. The team at AgVisor Pro recognizes the strength and resilience of women in agriculture. They understand that you deserve a platform to empower and inspire you to succeed in your career. By joining this community, you'll have the opportunity to build meaningful relationships with other women in the industry and together advocate for the future of agriculture. At AgVisor Pro, they firmly believe that by uniting as a collective, we can support each other's growth, 
learn from one another's experience, and ultimately cultivate a stronger and more inclusive agriculture industry. AgVisor Pro welcomes women of all ages, backgrounds, and skill level who share the same passion for agriculture. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, you'll find a place where your voice is heard and your journey is celebrated. So join the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community today by heading to the link in today's show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app and experience the power of a supportive network that believes in your potential. Together, we can cultivate a brighter future for women in agriculture. So you talked earlier about how mentorship was such a pivotal thing for you uh, in your journey through agriculture. Is there any mentor specifically uh, that really helped you along the way that you wanted to shout out? Yeah, uh, Denise Galswick and Dana Faber were two of my 4-H uh, club leaders, and they were just and still are magnificent women in our community and both thriving at their jobs and, and helping other women. They just, they were so good about pushing me outside my comfort zone and having me take on certain roles within our club and at the fair and just seeing so much potential in me. And again, it gave me a boost of confidence I didn't know I needed. And then I had a teacher all through high school, uh, Cindy Johnson, who did the same for me. And it just, it not that family wasn't supportive, because they certainly were, but I strongly think that no matter what it is that you want to do or thrive at or follow for a passion or dream, you've got to have mentors outside of family someone that can give you just good, solid feedback and, and honestly, honest feedback at the times that you maybe don't want to hear it. And when you find those people, then they're always looking out for you and maybe opportunities that they think would fit you and that you could go be a part of. And that's what they did. They opened those doors and it, it's, yeah, I've just been able to be a part of these programs and different networking opportunities because of them and, and because of how they helped get me going and get to where I, I mean, ultimately I am today. Well, and you said something important about the networking opportunities. And I think it's so important. And like you said, having that mentorship or that guidance that is outside of your family, because there are times where your family can be your harshest critic, but then they can also (laughs) be the ones that are trying to protect you from the hurt or from the honesty that maybe that you're not ready for. And I think the sign of a true, a truly good mentor is if you've ever gotten off the phone with them and been like, I'm never speaking to that person again. I'm so mad at them. Uh, <laughs> but then having the realization afterwards that, hey, maybe they did have some, some merit to what they had to say. Mm-hmm. When it comes to what you're able to provide now, in mentorship or guidance or advice, what are things that you think that you're able or that you are providing to your community in regards to mentorship for the younger generation and specifically females in the egg industry? What are you what are you doing over there to help the next generation in egg? I I help out every summer with our local community fair, Martin County Fair. And then I also sit on Minnesota Egg in the Classrooms board and being 
I've been a board member for about a year now and, and just being able to go back to my hometown where I live and go to different schools and connect with different grades and different kids, it just, it gives them just a boost of, wow, there is someone out there that's willing to, you know, maybe talk to us early or show us that you can be a female in agriculture and, and be a female that owns livestock that maybe isn't just a dog or a cat. It could be pigs or horses or sheep or cattle or chickens. Um, and I think more and more kids, as you have talks, discussions with them, you know, I always start out really basic. How many of you live on a farm or know what a farm is? And then we just, I let them take control of the conversation. And, and it's really overwhelming and great to see that so many kids still know what farms are and, and that their food maybe comes from not the grocery store, but a farm. And that's always a conversation I try and have too. Like, what are your favorite foods? Do you know where they come from? And I, I try to do fun activities with them that just get them really thinking about not only professions in egg, but you know what different products are made from each of these animals or each of these egg items, if you would. And yeah, it's just so great to see them light up and be excited about it because that's what we need. They are the, the future and the next generation. And if we don't get them excited, how can we expect them to want to come work full-time in the egg industry? And so if I can help one of those young girls get excited and find what their talent or passion is and, and find a way to connect that to our egg industry, then I feel like that's a success. That's a win in my book. And to just keep showing up even on the hard days. I'm pretty, in the last year, I've become pretty open and vocal, especially on my Instagram and Facebook pages and just giving, showing people in our community more of our farm. I'm one little slice of, you know, the 2% farmers that feed the world. But a lot of people will laugh at that statement and say, wow, that's a really, don't you think that's kind of a powerful statement to say that 2% farmers and you all feed the world? But it's true. And the, the farm egg industry are the ones that are helping feed the world and provide that. And so it's like, I've just learned instead of being bashful, I've actually just become really grateful and humble that I get to be a part of that percent and part of that uh, grouping, if you would. Right. So I just try to really instill that same excitement into the kids and not that I mean, I'd love for them all to be in 4-H and FFA. I, I think they're great programs on top of sports. But if I can just, you know, be a friend or a sounding board to them, then absolutely. I will certainly be that and try and, and try and help them get to where they, like, what's your end goal? How can I help you uh, get to that point? Yeah, for sure. And I think something that I've really come across lately in conversations that I've had, and it's specifically around youth in introducing them to agriculture, is all of the different opportunities in this industry that have nothing to do with standing out in a field, whether you're growing a crop or raising cattle or anything like that. There are so many different opportunities in this industry that have nothing 
to do with being in a field. You can be an engineer who is helping design the newest cedar that is going to get your, you know, germination rates up. Or, you know, if you are a math whiz, like all of the different things that you can do with that or just working in technology, like you had mentioned, you know, adopting new technology to help us grow food in a more sustainable and efficient way, that helps everybody at the end of the day. Yes. And I think, you know, so many kids, they think, oh, I don't want to be a farmer. I don't, I don't want to work out in the dirt or in a tractor. That's okay. You don't have to. To be, you know, the people that say, oh, they're helping feed the world, it's not just the ones in tractors. It, it, takes, a, it takes a whole village. It takes the whole industry from piece to piece, from seed to science to, like you said, everything has a hand in it. I think that's what's so cool. And people maybe don't realize that, you know, the conversations around the table, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to go work in the egg industry and maybe with food or science or yeah, like you said, math, it's, there's so many opportunities out there. I just think people really aren't aware of the different jobs they could do. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not aware of what what it takes to do these jobs and things. And that's why, you know, social media can sometimes be a dumpster fire, but other times it's a great resource to see <laughs> what people are doing or how they're raising food and why they're doing what they're doing and being able to be open and share about those things and, you know, build a community in agriculture that is supportive of one another, I think is super important. I'm curious to know um, about your relationship with social media and sharing your story. Have you found it to be an overall positive experience or has there been some challenges along the way? Yeah, I think early on, I was trying so hard to figure out what it was that I wanted to share, what people like found intriguing. or And I think so often, and I'm sure others have felt this way too, you get on social media And it's so overwhelming because you see what people are doing and you almost start molding yourself to do what other people are doing because you think that's what people want or you think that's what they want to see. And so then I really pivoted for the past year. I was part of a, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association program called Trailblazers. And being a part of that program just helped me find my own story and how to make it just personal to me and, and my farm, because that's all I really can tell that I know that is true and honest is the work I'm doing with my boots on the ground. And so I just took that and showed them day to day and showed them like, I'm a cattle farmer and a girly girl and, and we can do all these things in between. And people really liked it. They are receptive and for the most part, really, they like to engage. They like to to know the funnies and the ups and downs. And I don't really get a lot of negative feedback, if you would. I feel like sometimes when you have livestock, you can find certain people on social media that really kill that joy for you because they they think, oh, you know, like whether you're vegan or not, like I have respect for both sides, but it can be so hard because it's like, this is just what I'm doing. This is, these are the footsteps I'm following and this is what I was raised in. And that's why, you know, I, I know more about it because I was raised in it. Right. Not that I'm any better or different. It's just that can sometimes be a really hard conversation when you're not face to face and people are can be so mean and they're, you know, quickly typing responses and like, okay, don't take my words out of context. Like let's let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Right. So that part 
can definitely be hard on social media. Yeah. And I I think you you said it beautifully of, you know, sharing from your own experience and just sharing from what you're doing on your farm and this is how you've done it and this is why you're doing it. I think it's really it's important for people who, whether you're just starting out on social media or you've been there for a long time, when you're sharing your story in agriculture, if it's coming from a place of authenticity and, you know, just sharing your story versus, you know, trying to be the next whoever social media star on the internet, you know, oh. <laughs> I think people come from the genuine place of they just want to share their stories and they want to be heard. And when you do it in an authentic way, people really connect with that and really pick up on that. And that's when, you know, you've you've gone from followers on social media to actually building a community where people can feel like they know you or feel like they are a part of something on your farm or they're learning from you or you're just sharing your story with them. So... I think it's, you know, it can be a delicate dance sometimes. And obviously there are always going to be people that have different opinions than you. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. that's what makes the world go round. We are all kinds of kinds. <laughs> <Yep>. And uh, <laughs> yep. but like I said, when we when we share from from a good place, then typically we find the good people that go along with it. So yeah. And it's crazy because like I said, there's so many positives that come out of social media. I've met so many other farmers or people that have an occupation in agriculture and I wouldn't have, you know, what are the odds I'd come across them in real life or, but like being able to see their little glimpses of their farm or their life on social media, kind of gives you a chance to see other parts of the world, other parts of different states and climates. And then also it kind of gives you ideas of what maybe you could do differently or change things on your own farm. So I love social media for that part of it, like just more networking and meeting people and being able to to see what people are doing differently and maybe how you could make it work on, on your farm or get feedback or tips. It, it's really cool. I mean, I remember when Facebook was just becoming a thing uh, when I was in high school and to see where it is now and obviously Instagram and YouTube, it's it's just so cool to see. And now more companies and businesses are utilizing them too. It's like people... Everyone has a phone in their hand or a laptop. It's like, let's utilize that for the good and, and get some traction out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Let's let's use it for good things, not being <laughs> internet trolls. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> right? What is next for you and your farm and your operation and all the good stuff? What are you looking forward to? Yeah. We're, there's always projects. I, I'm just... So excited for summer short term and to be able to do some upgrades to our farm. My husband and I are hoping to one day, my grandma lives there now. My husband and I are hoping to move there one day and that will make lives easier and and actually it's slowly expanding uh, the herd and and getting to a, a number that we enjoy and are comfortable with. And I hope I can continue being a part of some more programs. Like I said, I just finished the National Cattlemen's uh, Program. So I'm, I'm I'm on the hunt for the next thing, uh, whether it be a female program or association, or just kind of getting involved at that that national level. Still, I'm I'm always on the look to try and find things that I can network, but also uh, just better myself with. Those sound like all wonderful things, and uh, I can't <laughs> wait to see what's next for you. My, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. 
My last question for you, Hallie, is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Oh, that's a good one. Ending with a good, a really good one. For me, it's just being able to be myself and feel like I'm at home, like I'm doing what I was meant to do and to be able to pave my own path for for future females and show them that this is this is something we can do and we can be amazing at and enjoy and still get to do it alongside the ones we love. We don't have to change who we are. We can be exactly who we are and just bloom and flourish. Absolutely. Embrace who you are and do what you love and uh, grow food for people, which is always good. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It has been amazing chatting with you today. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Yes. On Facebook, it's just Hallie Ammon uh, hyphen Ekstrom. And on Instagram, it's just at Hallie Ekstrom. And uh, I'd love for people to follow along and engage and follow our little cattle story. For sure. And I will link those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you after the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon.